coming up next in The Ziggler Show. I recently had Ethan Cross on the show, one of the foremost experts in controlling our minds. His new book is Chatter, The Voice in Your Head, Why It Matters, and How to Harness It. That was in episode 977. Today, I just couldn't leave it alone. I wanted to discuss the concept further in union with self-talk and personal affirmations made popular by none other than Zig Ziglar. It's just an issue that requires more than understanding. It requires engagement. So Tom Ziglar and I really pulled out all the issues we could come up with around these concepts and kind of held them to the fire in an effort to help us all literally just roll up our sleeves and start working out in regards to controlling the voices in our heads and getting them working for us in our inner self-talk. You can get Zig's self-talk cards, the originals free at Ziggler.com slash self-talk. We've had those available for probably five or six years, but Tom and I hit on big ticket issues such as how many of the voices in our heads are even ours. Why have we agreed with so many of the negative thoughts and beliefs floating around in our heads? Why do we easily tell anyone else that they have more capacity and ability in them, but generally don't believe it for ourselves or don't really tell ourselves that? And then we land on the daily exercises needed to get those voices in our heads working for us. We uncovered some aspects of the issues here that we weren't even aware of until we got into this discussion. So I ask you to join us as we take on our voices and self-talk and aim to master them, or at least master them a little more. Welcome to The Ziggler Show. I'm your host, Kevin Miller. This podcast has a simple premise. It's to take the best wisdom of self-help and personal development and break it down as to how it relates to our world today, to your world today. If you're new to Ziggler and are a coach or want to become one, let the Ziggler family empower you. Go to Ziggler.com slash coach leadership program. Now, Tom Ziegler and I take on the voices in our heads and our self-talk. Tom, I continue just to chew on what Ethan Cross brought us in episode 977 on the voices in our head. And I've found myself thinking and just trying to be aware of what are they? What are the voices in my head? What is my awareness of that, of my self-talk, taking stock, taking inventory, and saying, gosh, what are the, I, I thought there, I mean, how many people have we ever stopped and said, what are the things I believe about myself? And when I first thought of that, Tom, I thought of the Ziggler wheel of life, which folks, if you're listening and haven't, you hear me go about it in the habits show, talk about it, but you can type in Ziggler wheel of life in any search engine. You'll find a whole bunch of kind of pie diagrams of that, but these key areas of life, what are the things I believe about my self? Not what I believe is good and true, but the things I believe about myself in these areas. And where did those voices come from? What agreements have I made that are not fact? I mean, they are not concrete. They're just the things I have believed from what I've seen in myself, which is valid. But just that right there. What would the power be of, I think that's worth an event. Everybody sit down, take out pen and paper. And what do you believe about yourself? Because this is what you are living by. This is your code, your unspoken code. I mean, that's, 
that's an unheard of, I think, perspective for most people in capturing what are the voices going on. And that's, that was Ethan's of course, primary thing is we just don't take them captive. And you know that as well as anyone, Tom. Oh yeah. You know, Kevin, I wake up, um, every day and the voices in my head are already going. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And some mornings, I don't know why some mornings I'm like, you know what? I'm going to get control of this. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this. I'm going to wait on that. I'm going to make this decision. And then I go in and I have my most productive morning. Yeah. Other days I wake up and it's like, oh no, golly, it's like the, it's the eat that frog scenario. Oh, I don't want to do that. Right. And you can just feel your spirit deflate. Yeah. Yeah. And, and so I'm, yeah. And, and I was working with the group today and we were, we were talking about uh, your finance, your financial health, right? It's one of the spokes on the wheel. And so I asked the question, uh, in what order of importance are these three things when it comes to your financial health and well-being, your financial success, your beliefs, your self-image, or your habits? And there's about 30 people and about 15 of them answered. I had them rank it <laughs> and they were all different. Yeah. Oh, most important is habit and then belief and then self-image. And then somebody else said, nope, it's self-image and then habit and then belief. And then a bunch of people said, well, no, wait a second. It's your belief and then it's your self-image and then it's your habit. And it was so interesting that uh, so many highly smart, engaged, uh, committed to personal growth people had different views on what it is. And wow, the voice in your head, man, that, that's, pl that's playing off of your beliefs. Um, but those things get planted there too. Well, I want to know the answer. What was the answer? Or did you have one? That's going to cost you some money. Come on. <laughs> I'm not publishing this show unless you give me the answer. Come on. What was it? Tell me more. Yeah. So, so I have this quote, uh, uh, attitude, the reflection of character and character is a reflection of habit. Yeah. And so then the question is, is, well, what comes first habit or character? So we tell a two year old, uh, cause two year, two year olds are no notoriously selfish. They don't like to share anything. And so when a two year old gets a play buddy over and starts hoarding the toys as adults and parents, we make them share. Right. Yeah. And they cry and complain and they trade toys. And, and then over time, the habit of sharing turns into a character quality of understanding, Hey, when I, I need to have compassion for somebody who doesn't have some, I need to show kindness with what I have and other people. And so the habit actually creates the character quality, right? And so habit is huge. And in a lot of success of Dave Ramsey is that he teaches little bitty um, things you can do like this, like the, the total money makeover and the baby steps, you know, you, yeah. you, you, you save a thousand dollars and you pay off, you rank your debt smallest to largest and you put all your energy into the smallest and you pay it off. 
Well, these little behaviors, these little habits give you momentum. And so what builds self-image, what builds confidence, success does, right? Doing it, raising your skill level, having a, a win, getting something done, these things create confidence and these things start to elevate our self-image. And so they kind of go hand in hand, a good self-image and good habits, they, they play off of each other. If you, if you have only been taught or been uh, shown bad habits, you grew up in a place where it's, it's all bad habits. You know, it's 18 hours of TV a day. It's sitting on your couch and, you know, why bother? Nothing ever good happens anyway. It's not going to matter if that's what, what you've been shown is how to live life then you're going to start practicing those habits because that's what you were taught and your self-image is going to get hammered constantly. Right. right. right? And, but if you just, if you change the self-image, like if you suddenly say, Hey, you've got value just of who you are, but you don't change your habits, then it's going to keep coming back to hit you because your results aren't going to change. And so it's like a simultaneous thing. So the best way, and then our belief is, so this is the link between the self-image and habits. Our, our, our belief, one of the core beliefs that gets us in trouble is that uh, love is conditional. Hmm. Right. Dad said the number one cause of a, of a poor self-image is the lack of unconditional love. And so people walk into the room believing that they're only worth something if they bring something of value into the room rather than they are created by the king, right? And they have intrinsic value in just who they are. And so if your belief is, is that you have value and because you have value, you make decisions that create good habits then that starts to lift up your uh, self-image, right? So all these things kind of, kind of play. So if I could, you know, and this is something else, you know, we talk about at Ziegler, we talk about the bridge to purpose and that is everybody's on this journey and we're trying to get to our purpose, but it seems like the purpose is always on the other side of a raging river. So we got to, we got to build a bridge to get there. And so how do we build that bridge? Well, you got to start with some pillars to build the bridge on. And I tell people the two pillars are belief and self-image. And if you have a, a wrong belief or a false belief or a poor self-image, you can't put duct tape and bailing wire around that pillar. Yeah. <laughs> you got to, and not only that, you can't even short up. You got to replace it. You've got to eliminate the wrong belief and replace it with the good belief. If your belief is, uh, I'm not worthy. I'll never be worthy. I'm undeserving of money. Then even when you get money, it's going to run from you as fast as possible because it doesn't feel like it belongs. Yeah. Right. So you got to change that belief, but it's all, this is a long answer. So I, th I think belief comes is the, is the key, but sometimes in order to change the belief, somebody has to transfer their belief onto me. Yeah. Right. I have to borrow somebody else's belief until I believe it strongly enough. And that's what that's what great parents do is they believe in their kids enough and they keep pouring it into them unconditionally. Hey, just because you're you 
right? And then they they pour in the the uh, support and the affection and everything around the things the kid can control, right? They've already our kids are already at a deficit, right? I mean, they've already got our genes, so <laughs> <laughs> so they've got a hard road, right? And so they can't control how tall they are or how smart they are. But you know what they can control? They can control how hard they work. They can control their habits. Mm-hmm. And so when we start praising our kids and, and, and our, our team members and those around us for the things they can control, but we value them for who they are and not what they do, then all of a sudden that's the trifecta, right? That creates good, good winning habits. It creates a positive self-image and it creates uh, a belief that somebody can do it. So you got to have all three in order, in order to get to where you want to go. And so what's one of the greatest habits? The number one habit dad told me, the number one lesson I learned from him was to choose my input. Yeah. And so what does that mean? Well, it means that I choose what goes into my mind and I put a wall up or a barrier up against things that shouldn't go into my mind. And that includes my self-talk, mm-hmm. which is what I wake up with in the morning. I can shut it down. I can divert it. I can distract it. I can send it off in the right direction. Well, but you bring up just where I was going to go. Cause you started off this saying, you know, sometimes you get up in the morning, not sometimes pretty much all the time. The voices are, yeah, the voices are already going. I, I'm, and I, it bothers me even more if it's the middle of the night, you know, I wake up and the voices are going and they will tend to keep me awake if I can't do something with them. But I so often, I think we as people, but I'll own this one for myself. I will, I have historically tended to distract just distract myself from that or just try to overload it with something else. Let me just go do something else positive, something else that inspires me. It's not that that's bad, but it still is me not taking captive what that voice is that exists. And can I write something different in there? And, you know, a big part of this show about talking about this and taking captive, what are the voices in our heads is the awareness of if I do what I, what I talked about, if I audited myself in the seven spokes of the Ziggler wheel of life and said, what are the voices in my head? What are my beliefs going to your thing? What are my, what's my self image in regards to X? What do I think about myself? What are my habits? And I do that and I take stock and do the inventory. That's that's a, that's huge. I'm going to say that's huge. However, I'm also amazed at our ability to do something like that, finish the task, finish this podcast, turn it off, go to something else. And boom, we're back in default mode. Days go by. We may not think about it again, or we'll go, wait a minute, man. I had this epiphany here in this show from whoever, Tom and Kevin or somebody else. And this great concept, paradigm shifting thing. And yet I'm not doing anything different which goes just to what you said, man, we have got to practice. We've got to, we've got a groove that in our brain is Dr. Randy James talk about to create a new groove. And that's big medicine, which takes us to self-talk. So Ethan Cross is talking about voices in our head. Zig Ziglar was talking about this a long time ago with self-talk. And I I'll, I'll have put it in the intro, but again, go to Ziglar.com slash self-talk 
and look, get those self-taught cards. You can craft them for your own. You can make your own, but the point of that is not. And if it is uncomfortable to do as Zig talked about, look in the mirror, repeat these things to yourself, man, anything you do is a benefit. If you want to listen to Zig say them and just play his recording over and over. If you want to record yourself doing it and listen to that recording now saying it, speaking it to yourself, I would say in the mirror this is the most uncomfortable, incredibly goofy for a lot of people, including me and the most powerful as well. But man, anything you'll do is powerful. The point though, coming back to what you said, we're talking about Tom, man, this is something that's going to take a daily habitual effort. If it's going to take root, if we're going to replace that voice that self-talk that's going on with something different. It's just going to take some work and it's work that few people do. And yet the ones who do are who fills the bookshelves behind me and behind you. They have done this work to reframe, reprogram those voices that exist in their heads, which, and I wanted to give this to you or, or, or talk to you about this, the reality that, you know, these voices in our head are not always or you could, for some people, not often your own. Whose voices are they? Where did that voice come from? Is that one you made up, came out of nowhere? Chances are it came from something. And then the question is, why did we agree with that? I love the quote, Tom, you've probably seen it. Don't believe everything you think. I mean, it's a pithy little quote, but it's, we do about ourselves. You mentioned kids a minute ago, how we are prone to take our kids or other kids or even our friends and hear them negating themselves, talking negative about themselves. And what's the first thing we do? We counter that. We go, you kidding? Come on. Don't talk about yourself that way. You're capable of so much more. You can do this. And we'd say all this stuff. We don't do that with ourselves. The things that we experience with ourselves, we really do believe inherently. To me, Tom, that's one of the biggest issues is that we, I see myself, I experience myself all day long and what I experience, what I perceive through whatever filters I've been given or created I really believe it to be true. Even though you can look at me and I could say something, you go, Kevin, man, that's not at all true about you. That's just something you've agreed with. Man, that's easy to say. That's, that's hard to swallow. You are listening to The Ziggler Show and Tom Ziggler and myself discussing our voices and our self-talk and how we can work to master them a little bit more. We'll be right back. You know, dad, uh, dad had a quote. He said, he said, you have every quality of success inside of you. Yeah. All you have to do is recognize, claim, develop, and use it. And, and, and some people are like, oh, I could never do that. Well, wait a second. You've got that quality already inside of you. Yeah. Well, the first thing they've got to do is defeat the lie. Right. The lie says, yeah, you, you could never do that. You don't have that inside of you. Wait a second. You do. So you got to recognize it. Well, once you recognize, well, I do have some of that. Then you got to go and claim it. So you got to claim the new truth. Right. <laughs> so let's just say discipline is the, the, the quality. Oh, I could never do that. I'm not disciplined enough. Wait a second. You have discipline inside of you. I know a lot of people, they, they, they are so disciplined when it comes to meals, they eat them every single day. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's unbelievable. And so for, for the things that are front of center, front of mind, 
that are in our vision, we can be very disciplined about that. Uh, so, so you recognize it. Then you claim it. Oh, I, I'm going to work on that. Then you develop it. So that's, and then you use it. So recognize, claim, develop, and use. So last year I was having Dennis Waitley came out with his um, new book. I think it's the psychology, the new psychology of winning or something like yeah. that. And, and in the book, he said something very powerful. He said, change your affirmations into confirmations. Okay. And I talked to him about it and I said, what exactly do you mean? And he said, well, an affirmation says I'm going to do something right. Which is great. It's very positive when in self-talk, that's really, really good. A confirmation simply states, I already am that. I'm just going to do more of that. Right. And, and so when we confirm something positive, it's, it, has, it has a different level of impact. And so when we confirm that we have knowledge and wisdom and discipline and courage and respect, we already have all of those things inside of us. And what we're going to do is we're going to go ahead and develop them a little bit more. Mm-hmm. Now we're in a much stronger foundation because here's the difference. Okay. Here's the negative versus the positive. The negative is, wow, that was a stupid decision. I always do that. Right. And you just confirm that you're stupid right. and you make stupid decisions. The positive response would be, wow, that decision hurt. That's so unlike me. What can I learn? Right. Right. Neither one of them denies that the, bat, that the decision didn't come out the way we wanted to. Right. Right. But one of them is like, man, that's just not like me. That's why dad said this. He said, failure is an event, not a person. Yeah. yeah. Right. Failure is an event, not a person. And so the voice in our head, it's, we get to control it. So it's like the, um, you know, you've got the, the, you've got the mind and the brain. Okay. And so the brain is doing all this stuff constantly, but the mind gets to tell the brain what to focus on. And so some people are like, we're just animals, you know, we have no control over where our brain goes and it just runs free. It's like a wild stallion running through the, um, through the field, but, but our mind is like the jockey on the brain and, and the mind gets to tell the brain what to focus on and how to think about it. And that's what we have control over. And so the lie we tell ourselves is um, either we have, we, we can never control it or it's pointless, but the people who know how to ride the brain, you know, like the jockey does, man, they're, they're getting a little better every day. Yeah. And they're forgiving themselves. Hey, I made a, I'm not a bad person. I just made a bad choice. I don't know how I did that. That's not me. And so they come back around and they look inside and go, why did that happen? And they figure it out and they go and develop that area a little bit more. Well, your word develop is one I want to key on, but to what you said on discipline, use that as an analogy. So many people, I hear that so often. I'm, I'm just not that disciplined. I hear that a lot, Tom. I've heard that over the course of my life in relation to health and wellness, 
because that's an area where I get credit for being disciplined. I was a pro athlete. I've always been an athlete. I look forward to going out and doing my runs and rides, my exercise stuff. I enjoy eating well. I enjoy that capacity. So I get credit for being disciplined. Of course, I don't even think about it that way. I just, I'm so lucky. I enjoy that. But the interesting thing to me is I'll hear somebody say that I'm so undisciplined. And yet I see incredible discipline in other areas of their lives that I do not, I have not developed to use Tom Ziegler's words. Okay. I have not developed. So do I have discipline within me? I've proven it. I can show you the areas that I do. Do I have some areas where I have not harnessed, not developed that discipline? Absolutely. And I have yet to find somebody who says, oh, I'm not disciplined. They're talking about one area of undeveloped discipline, but I see it in other areas of their lives that belies exactly what you said. They've got plenty of discipline. I know a lot of people who will say to me that they wish I had their discipline that I had in XYZ area. And I see them have it. Let's say take finances, for instance, has not a great area of discipline for me, never has been. And I'm prone to say I'm not disciplined. Well, I haven't developed it in that area. Or I should say that in the past, I, I had not developed that though today, am I disciplined in the area of finance? I am personally no more engaged and better in it than I used to be. However, I have filled that with delegation. Thank goodness for CPAs and bookkeepers and all the people in those areas. And so I have done, I have, uh, have is that fair to say I've delegated my my discipline or I, my discipline includes delegation. How's that? I am not great in that area, but I've delegated it to get the results that I want. And that word develop is what I hear so often. My kids are prone to saying, Oh daddy, I'm not good with directions like you say, guys, you haven't developed it. Why would you be? How many cross country trips and cross world trips have I taken? How many bike rides have I gone out in my years of cycling out into the unknown, have to find my way back, man, I have spent, I've done my Malcolm Gladwell outliers, 10,000 hours to know directions. I have no idea if I was had a natural propensity early on. I just had to develop it. So yeah, I'm good with directions. You, you haven't done anything. You seldom go out the door. Of course you don't have good directions. We don't develop them yet. We label ourselves with these lack lacks of capability of capacity. And yet again, we look at our kids, we look at somebody else, we would encourage and support them and say, man, you have no idea what your capacity is. You're capable so much more. You've got so much within you. I see that. And we don't tend to do that to ourselves. We, again, back to that, we believe the capacity that we have seen. And we think that that is proven and we know it's not. And I love the stories or the movie depiction of somebody who accidentally does something really cool. I'm like, wow, didn't know I was capable of that. If we could, if I could also adapt that to everything and go, man, I have no idea what I'm capable of doing. So again, to do this audit and look at where am I weak and what you said, I, what can I develop? Can I become better in that area? And I do want to give credit to what I talked about with delegation there, because if we look at the Ziegler wheel of life, am I going to be a rock star in every single area? I don't think that that's possible as humans. We all have strengths and weaknesses, but I can get, I can, I can harness things. Some I'm going to do myself, some I'm going to delegate and I can do things to get that wheel true and in balance and get the right smooth ride, you know, that I want. Uh, but again, it's looking at what are these, yeah, these voices 
in our heads. And then how can we, and this brings us back to self-talk and the self-talk cards and the daily habits where you started off talking. How can we then do the work every day to, I still like the word reprogram, to, but to change those voices. Though I do want to ask you, Tom, because this is one I grapple with. I mean, there are some voices that are in us. I want to think that we can get rid of them, but I've played with that some in my own life. There are some voices I don't know that I'll ever get rid of. And maybe that's unziggler-esque, but if that's a groove in there, that's a song that plays. Remember the old CDs where we burn in new songs, you can burn in stuff in. Can I burn in other ones and just dance to those instead and leave those behind? That, that one, man, I don't know if I'll ever get rid of it. I don't know. I don't, I don't, it's not a, it's not a very positive outlook, but I see people get frustrated with that thing. They feel like I can't, I, I don't know if I can ever forget that, but can I still groove in something new dance to that new song in essence? That makes sense. Yeah. I remember, uh, <clears throat> gosh, probably 12 years ago now. Um, I decided that I was going to eliminate all artificial sweeteners from my life. Okay. So I went from um, sweet tea growing up. That's what was served in my house. Of course, you're from Texas. From Texas, right? It's like holy water. Mom from Mississippi. Yeah, exactly. And it was like, you know, it was sweet tea, baby. And, uh, and so then I switched over to sweet and low because that's a lot healthier than sugar. <laughs> well... Maybe. I yeah, don't know. Yeah, yeah. And then I started reading all the things on artificial sweeteners because I was drinking probably six to 10 glasses of tea a day with three sweet and lows in each one of them. I was having a lot of sweet and low. And if there wasn't a tea handy, I'd have a diet Dr. Pepper. Uh, That's and a, so I started a Spartame probably in that or something. Yeah. yeah. So I'm, I'm, I'm looking at all that and I'm going, you know what? I'm just not going to drink any art. If it's artificial, I'm not putting it in. So then became my journey. So for the next three to four weeks, I'm drinking tea, iced tea straight up. No sweet and low in it. And Kevin, it was terrible. <laughs> it was nasty. Mm -hmm. But I kept drinking it. Mm -hmm. And then about four weeks into it, it became tolerable. And then another month goes by and I'm kind of liking it. I'm kind of like seeking it out. I tell you what, if every, every now and then, like once every three or four months, there'll be tea somewhere and I'll pour me a glass and it's either, you know, sweet and low or sugar in it. And I can't stand it. It just tastes. Whoa. And I think, that's how we change the voice in our head is uh, if you're, if your voice is you're, you're in a meeting and they're asking for group input and you never give input. And in your head, you're like, I'm not saying anything. I never give in. I'm not last time I did that. This is what happened. Blah, blah, blah. So you just change the sentence in your brain. You just said until now, I never gave input. And you just add that one sentence to it. You just take the sweet and low out of it. <laughs> yeah. And then you give some input. Yeah. And then you survive. You are listening to The Ziggler Show and Tom Ziggler and myself discussing our voices and our self-talk and how we can work to master them. 
a little bit more. We'll be right back. I align with your story, Tom. That's my coffee story. Just to, just to hit on that uh, there. So I learned to drink coffee. I, they didn't have it as a kid. My, my parents didn't drink coffee, still don't uh, today. And I went over to Europe. I'm racing for a team over in Holland. And uh, at a certain, about 10 o'clock in the morning, they have, they take a break from any work, whatever's going on, kind of a cultural thing. And you have coffee. You go and have coffee. Man, they're coffee with little cups, very strong a lot of sugar, a lot of cream. So I learned to drink coffee. So fast forward years on in, I'm married and we've got kids and I do a sugar fast, kind of like what you're talking about there. I just decide I sugar. I used to say I didn't have a sugar to a sweet tooth. I got a sweet belly and I, I do, I do a lot. Sugar was my drug and did 30 days, no sugar. Well, that meant not in my coffee as well. For some reason, I, I don't know. I don't remember to this day. I decided I wouldn't do cream either during that time. I would just totally cut it out 30 days later. I really liked the taste of it and it felt weird to put the stuff back in and I never did, never went back. And I enjoy my strong black bitter coffee uh, to this day. And a few times when I've tried, sometimes I'll get some really bad coffee if I'm in a, at, at a place where I don't have access and I'll try to, if it's bad enough, I still want it. And I'll put a little cream or sugar and try that. It's really odd, but yeah, I agree. It takes that, but that initial distaste is what generally drives everybody away. And even the comfort, even the comfort in this, as we're talking about the voices in our head, there's still the comfort. It's kind of like the, you know, the, the, what's the, the term, uh, better the devil, you know, than the devil you don't. And even that negative voice, man, there's a comfort. It's what we know. And like you said, it's uncomfortable. Say, man, I'm not, I don't speak up. I, I don't speak up and I know it doesn't help me. I know it doesn't help me progress. I know it keeps me from engaging with people. I know it hurts my credibility, but it's comfortable. And I don't want to step out. And it's that uncomfortable stepping out to change that it's, we're back to habits. We're back to habits, which I, I think is why James Clear's Atomic Habits is selling at the rate of about 30,000 copies per week, which I'm, I'm stoked about that. Uh, that's a, it's a great thing to see because it helps people have the habits to do these things, to get the outcomes that we all really want at the deep level. Amen to that. Um, you know, one of my favorite quotes, who I don't know who said it, said, I cannot, uh, you cannot determine your future, but you can determine your habits and your habits will determine your future. Yeah. And so is there a better habit than determining your self-talk? The words you say to yourself, the story you tell yourself, the, that's the most powerful story in the world. And so going back to this, you know, what's, what's racing around in our brain? What is it? Uh, Dad and I used to play a lot of golf. And uh, <laughs> he hit one in the water. Okay, so when you play golf and some, a golfer hits in the water, usually they'll say, I knew I was going to do that. Right? Mm -hmm. Well, Dad would say, Ziggler had – I can't believe you did that, right? It's yeah, like yeah. Yeah. he would be he would be more shocked than anybody else there that he hit it in the water because he was fully convinced he was gonna, you know, and so he, he didn't get to practice a lot. He got to play two or three times a month, maybe more if it was you know a good time. And and so if you don't play a lot of golf and you play on a golf course that has a lot of water, you're gonna hit some in the water. It's it's just the way it is. And so he, he actually had 
uh, a three by five card that he would pull out when he would go to the tee box on par threes that had to go over water. And he would, he would purposely think through what he was going to do because he was going to, he was going to tell his self-talk, Hey, this is what's going on. Yeah. I still like thinking of it as a self-fulfilling prophecy. What am I going to get up in the morning and prophesy? Not to make that a spiritual type thing, but prophet, it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's not just a spiritual word. It's to, to speak what you believe is going to happen, what you want to happen. And can I do that about my day and specifically speak against these limiting thoughts that I have, these negative thoughts that we just have? And I want people to hear that too, because I don't know anyone that I've ever, ever come across, however, however successful they may be, who does not deal every day with these self-limiting Thoughts. I, I had lunch, uh, breakfast not long ago in Leadville, Colorado, with uh, Monty Moran. He was one of the. He, he used to be the CEO of Chipotle, and we sat there and he very candidly talked about. It. He says, "Man, I, he, he really lamented about how he wakes up so often with dread." And here's a guy worth hundreds of millions of dollars, loves his life, really enjoys things, and he understands that. And yet he says, I still do. So often I wake up with this dread and I have to talk myself out of it. I love hearing the stories from people like that who we think, man, they've achieved nirvana. He says, no, man, I'm human. I wake up with it. But there's always the but, but I do X. And I see the difference, the only difference between somebody not achieving a success like that. And, and, and somebody who is, is that is the, but, but I am going to do this, but I'm going to look in the mirror. I'm going to speak this, and, and, you know, and, and one, one last piece, Tom, that's been interesting for me to grapple with is when we tend to limit ourselves, talk negative about ourselves, but let me say limit. We tend to limit ourselves. It's interesting. We can, with that concept of who am I, who am I to do X, Y, Z, right? To think the opposite, who am I not, I know it's a pithy, uh, very elementary standpoint, but who am I not? And to really make a case, it'd be interesting to take our self limitations and come into a jury of peers and try to make a case as to why you can't not to minimize your struggles, not to minimize your pains and traumas and hurts and, and do that, but to really make a case because it won't hold water. We generally don't, we've made agreements with things that really don't we can't back up. They're not factual. They're just our perception. They are our agreements. They're areas we haven't stepped in to develop. We haven't taken a, a, a risk in possibly. We haven't risked uh, discomfort, as you were talking about. And we can't make a case against it, but we've gotten comfortable with it. And so uh, maybe this is a vote for, you talked about that earlier when you and I were just talking off, off the microphone about how we so often we're just not in enough pain. So uh, maybe that's it. Here's, here's to the pain. I think that was a princess bride line to the pain, right? <laughs> Is that what we should hope for? Okay. Folks, awesome. Let's go to bed praying that we wake up tomorrow in more pain so that we would do the things we want. <laughs> that sounds good. Valid. That sounds motivational and inspirational. Okay. Well, Tom brother, pray to, for pain to the pain. <laughs> That URL, once again, friends, for Zig Ziglar's original self-talk cards is ziglar.com slash self-talk. You can download them absolutely free. Coming up next, 
In episode 983, I'm back with Andy Andrews to talk about his personal habits for success, but also his views on what habits in all seven spokes of the Ziggler Wheel of Life he most espouses, he most advocates for our culture today and the issues he sees going on, which is what we talked about in episode 981 in my main talk with Andy. Till then, thank you as always for letting me walk with you as we inspire our true performance together 